Welcome to Matter of Fact, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and avid voter. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who wishes she could hibernate through the rest of the pandemic. Like, wake me up when COVID ends. Okay, Green Day. You're here. <laughs> uh, but while you're still awake, let's talk about the show. Okay. On Matter of Fat, we're here to talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. And after a couple of minis, we're back with a full episode. Though our last minisode was literally 40 minutes long, so... So it was more of a mega mini. Literally exactly 40 minutes and 0.0 seconds. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> However, it didn't include our classic staple segment, the fat dish. It's time for the fat dish where we share or dish about what's going on with us. When's the last time that we had a proper fat dish, cat? Okay, like a month ago, WAP had just dropped. We were talking about voting and being outside and Big Brother. You know, just like the important details of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that was also when all the tornado sirens and weird electric storms were kicking up. And I mean, now look at us. Who would have thought? Yeah, little did we know, like, one week I'd be swimming at the lake beach, and not two weeks later would I be wearing my puff vest and have the heat on at my shop. I was not ready. Uh, But thankfully, it has moved into kind of a more normal fall. It does feel like it always does feel, I suppose, a little too soon. But we're embracing fall. Soraya, you just had a cute little fall road trip, didn't you? I did. I did. The fam and I took a drive to see the fall colors and the political signs. Tis the season. <laughs> oh, my God. Tis. It's perfect. Tis the season. Um, it didn't warrant a puff fest. Actually, it was a little warm, but it was really nice to get out and about. And we went along the Wisconsin side of the Mississippi and saw the start of the fall foliage. And like I say start, like truly the start because the refrain over and over and over again was, can you imagine how pretty this will be in a couple of weeks? Oh my God, look at that bluff. Oh, think of the color. Just like visualize it in your head. But um, other than that, do you want to know a fun new car game that I've developed? Absolutely. I love car time. I want to know everything. Yeah, I got to work on a quippy little title for it. But the gist is that you count how many Biden-Harris versus Trump signs you see in all the small towns you pass through. Oh, and judge them accordingly. (laughs) Uh Yeah, so I guess it's not really a game, but more of a way to gauge like political patterns. But it passed the time beautifully. Um, Also, it was kind of bittersweet to roll through cute little towns and just like keep saying, we'll have to come back and explore once it's safe. Um, I'm looking at you, Stockholm, Wisconsin. I'm coming back for you. Okay, due to COVID and the conservatives? Oh, safety? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, Either or. Take your pick. Um, Other than that, it was nice to have some extended conversation time. Oh, I love that. Um, Oh, and speaking of long conversations, we just had our September podluck. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, for those who don't know or need a refresher, our podlucks are monthly virtual discussions about a podcast other than matter of fact. So it's similar to a book club. We choose an episode of a podcast and discuss it as a matter of fact. 
Okay, side note, the name Podluck, which is incredible, um, <laughs> also lends itself to like an innumerable amount of typo possibilities. Uh, recently, uh, this included a blender I made in our newsletter where I spelled it Podcluck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let, let me tell you the cackle oh <laughs> I let out when you texted me about it. It was like diabolical. It was just like this gush of air that came out that I couldn't control and... I mean, let us count the ways. We've got padlock. It's always padlock every time I say it. Padlock. I love it. Potlick. Mm-hmm. Um, Pollock, like Jackson or the fish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, Those are the well, main ones that come to mind. However you spell it, we had our third monthly podluck recently. And I just got to say, they've all really been great. So our last one, we discussed an episode of Christy Harrison's Food Psych podcast, where she interviews Angelina Moles, who you might know as, or folks might know as Fierce Fat Femme on Instagram. Um, Saraya, what are some of the other ones we've done? Well, in August, we discussed an episode of Nicole Byer's podcast, Why Won't You Date Me?, where she interviewed Roxanne Gay. And then in July, our first one, we discussed the Nod's interview with Sabrina Strings, who is the author of Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. They've all been like really great episodes and episodes from podcasts that we've enjoyed or like are featuring people or topics that we're very excited to talk about through the lens of body positivity and fat liberation. Um, And what one are we doing next? (laughs) We're so excited. So next up, we're discussing Caleb Luna's interview on the podcast Gender Reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Kat and I have started co-hosting the Podlucks with our wonderful season three assistants. So last time Kat and Aaron led the conversation and this time Lindsay and I will be leading it. Um, Lindsay actually suggested the episode and I'm excited because it dives into gender, race, fatness, colonialism, and so much more. I mean, what more could you want? Oh, I cannot wait. Caleb Luna is great. You're great. Lindsay's great. It's going to be a great time. And you are all welcome to join us. Thursday, October 29th at 6 p.m. Central Time for this month's Podluck. And you can RSVP on our website. So in addition to podcast episodes, we're always like watching and reading and listening to a lot uh, for entertainment, to keep us informed about the state of the world, to find an escape about the state of the world, (laughs) and everything in between. Yes. I mean, like, what would a fat dish be without a check-in about what we're consuming? Mm -hmm. But first, in terms of that, like, being informed about the state of the world piece, I know we both have been paying attention to what's happening in Louisville with the calls for justice for Breonna Taylor, and we wanted to make sure we talked about this. Yeah. As we record this episode, the court recently decided not to hold the police accountable for the murder of Breonna Taylor. I guess I'm kind of connecting this with what we've been listening to because I got most of my info about this case from the reporting of Rukmini Kalamaki on The Daily Podcast, which I would recommend. Um, They did like a two-part series about the case a few weeks ago and then another episode recently after that decision came through to not charge the officers in Brianna's murder. Yeah, I, I have a lot of feelings about this decision, and ultimately, I'm at a loss for words, quite literally. Mm. There is an overwhelming cry for justice, and it has become imminently clear that our quote-unquote justice system cannot meet that definition. Also, I cannot define the disappointment and pain and grief that this recent decision fuels across our nation. Yeah. My biggest takeaway with all of this aligns with what you just shared and is honestly like by now a common refrain. Our systems are built to maintain injustice. In the case of Breonna Taylor, the law was on the side of the police, like in spite of them literally breaking down her door and shooting her in the middle of the night. 
They can't be held to account because they acted, quote unquote, within the law. So no, a system that allows for this is not a just system. No, it's not. I don't know about you, Soraya, but I'm also like incessantly listening to reporting about all the things, COVID and the upcoming election and RBG's death and just... Like we said, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other big themes we should talk about before we move on from our like news-related media? Hmm. I mean, no, I guess I just encourage people to please guard your peace as best you can. It's, it's not necessarily easy. Um, but, for instance, I decided not to watch the presidential debates recently and instead attended an event that NLC hosted about the importance of voting and the census and actually worked on this podcast. And I'm pretty satisfied with those choices because it's the overwhelming sense of encroaching fascism for me. <laughs> um, I think those are great choices. Thank and you. I guess I would like to, in terms of like news stuff, I guess I would just like to note that we are still, in fact, in a pandemic. And like, mm-hmm. I know we know, but do we all know? <laughs> I fear that we're all growing weary of this and just kind of casually abandoning social distancing and precautions for ourselves and others. I agree. And it could not be me. <laughs> it's tough. And I mean, I'm not doing it perfectly. Are any of us doing this perfectly? But if you need a friend to remind you that this is real and you're not overreacting and that our desires for business as usual and financial gain should not be placed over actual human lives. Hi, it's me. <laughs> I'm that friend. <laughs> and I know you're being super thoughtful about this too, Soraya. I'm trying. I mean, yeah, you got two voices of reason over here, folks. Be safe and do the right thing for you and your neighbors. Yes, please. Okay, and now on to some lighter fare. Uh, What you been listening to and watching, Soraya? Okay, well, I I have to tell you, I'm in the vinyl game, y'all. I got a turntable and my dad's old speakers set up, and it's just so nice to feel those good vibrations. My ambiance is on 10 and it's a big upgrade from the phone speaker that I was using before. This is so cute. You little hipster, you with your turntable. (laughs) I'm just always in my house and I guess I miss the coffee shop cute bar vibe. So I don't know. But something that I don't miss that we talked about ad nauseum last season is Pen15. It's bad. Season two is back. Yes. It's excruciatingly good. God, like middle school was so hard and I don't understand how the creators captured it so perfectly and so esoterically. Um, Also, just like casually peppering in a rewatch of Schitt's Creek and the four weddings and a funeral on Hulu. So it's just pure escapism at this point. Those are really great rewatch choices. I would also totally recommend those. Yes, thank you, thank you. What about you, Kat? What have you been watching and or listening to? Okay, so something kind of exciting happened related to my audiobook infatuation and <laughs> undying adoration for Libro FM, where yes. I listen to almost all my audiobooks. Okay, so I got accepted into their early listen influencer program. Um, and I honestly like didn't even know a thing like that existed, but I saw people listening to like sharing that they were listening to. Lindy West's Shit Actually, her newest book. And I was like, okay, I need into this program. (laughs) And they let me in. So not only did I get to listen to Shit Actually already, which 10 out of 10, obviously, um, I also have been pushed to listen to some books outside my usual genres. I just imagine you as that Eric Andre bit where he's at the White House gates, like screaming, let me in, let me in. 
Karen. Yeah, that's uh, me. But like you <laughs> on your computer, typing like typing furiously, like, <laughs> click clack mooing to Libro <laughs> FM. <laughs> but it sounds so cool, and I love an exclusive. Um, and also, I saw Lindy West a bunch last year, so twice yeah. when I was in New York, and she was talking about this book, and it was fun to hear a bit about how her piece about the movie Love Actually, which is what she was reviewing in Jezebel and why she called it shit actually, yeah. a big response and how much she and her husband love to just like joke about movies that they're watching. It's Aww. very cute. Uh, I've been very excited to check it out. And what you've shared with me thus far has been excellent. Yeah, I it's been so good. And I actually didn't like know that piece about the name <laughs> until I read and now you sharing this. Um, so, OK, honestly, in the book, she just basically talks about a bunch of movies I mostly don't care about or haven't seen. Um, but I loved every minute of it. Lindy is just such a fave of mine. She's so smart and fun. And she reads her own audiobooks. Uh, I could honestly listen to her forever. She is great. And I also saw on IG the other day that the writers are together again for the next season of Shrimp. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited. Um, but, oh, I want to hear more about that other book you got to listen to early. From what you shared a little bit, it sounds really, really good. Okay, yeah, I have to mention this one. So there's this book called When No One is Watching by Alyssa Cole. It is another resounding 10 out of 10. So I guess I do like watch on TV, like a lot of thrilling and suspenseful things. But, you know, I mostly read like romance and memoirs. This was totally different for me. And I also just like adored it. It was really, really good. Um, the it, So like there's a lot of suspense, but then there's also like a love story and a lot of history shared. And like the themes in this book are like, of course, the, the, the you know, the story piece, but then like there's racial justice elements that come through. There's a really strong critique of gentrification and like power and money are big themes. It was just oh, so, so good. And like it's one of those reads where like each every other chapter is a different character. It's like there's two characters that go back and forth. And so for the audiobook, there were two narrators and they were so perfectly matched to the characters. It was just, oh gosh, 11 out of 10. It was so good. <laughs> I stand by my earlier statement. It sounds really good. You know what else is really good? Our interview. We are so excited to share our interview with Krista Mims. Um, oh goodness, Krista is one of my favorite people. I met her and her wife, another of my favorite people, a few years ago, and then we were both fellows in the 2020 NLC cohort earlier this year with Kat as our curriculum co-chair. Oh, it was the best. But that's not all. Krista is now running for Minneapolis Public School Board. Yes. I cannot explain to you the hope and excitement I had while voting for someone I truly believe in during the primary and general elections. Um, hopefully you'll feel similarly after listening to our interview with Krista. I'm sure y'all will. I know I do. Krista, we're so excited you're here with us today. I am so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. We want to start off by asking what we ask everyone. What's your story as a matter of fact? Well, I had um, a lot of internal dialogue with myself trying to figure out what my story was as a matter of fact. And I think it was a really great experience for me to have to go back and think through what that representation of my body and my um, 
you know, internalized monologue about who I am, Mm -hmm. where those pieces kind of came together. And I think for my own experience, my fatness has always also been tied to my tallness. Mm -hmm. Um, I am six foot five. So that those two things in combination have sort of really shaped how I see myself, how I move through the world, how I have navigated lots of different experiences. But um, and thinking back to when I first, I think, realized I was fat was back in elementary school. And I don't know, this might just be an, uh, I don't know, an older person thing, but they had like this weird day at elementary school where you had to like get your weight checked and ah. um, bend over and they were like checking your spine oh, for this. some yeah. reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't I know. There. I feel like I'm, okay, okay. Everyone had it. that. Um, But I just remember the lady who was checking my weight, like making a bunch of comments about Mm. it. And I felt so much shame during that moment, which I I don't feel like I had that prior to then, Um, even though I had always been bigger and taller than every student and sometimes the teachers in my classes, even in Mm. elementary school. So, (laughs) um, but I just remember that moment so vividly and like that being tied to this like deep sense of shame about my body. Um, and then the other, the other thing, I don't know, I feel like this, this probably comes up a lot for a lot of people, but the mile, can we stop and talk about running oh, the mile and what a terrible... We haven't done that yet. That's actually really oh prescient. Okay. So much trauma, right? Um, yes. When you're the slowest person, when um, you just like that, I, I don't, I'm all for, you know, physical activity, but that like display of physical ability in front of everyone was always the worst day. And if there was a way I could skip it, I would definitely skip it. And we're talking about like the Minnesota, like, like presidential physical fitness, like, like different things, right? That's what we're talking about with the mile. Yeah. And, but I feel like I don't, if this might've just been in my school where we, the mile was a separate day and it came up more often than the presidential fitness test. Yeah, it and sure then, did. Um, it was always pres- happening, it felt like. Yes. I guess, actually, yeah. yeah, in high school, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. you're bringing the back worst. the memories. <laughs> yes. The worst. And then I feel like in that presidential phys- physical fitness test, too, you had to try to, like, climb a rope or something. I mean, just <laughs> things my body was not meant to do right, at, uh, right now. Um, so I, I feel like those were some of the initial like feelings of shame around being fat that came up for me. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, being really tall as well, the clothing has always been a really big part of my story mm-hmm. and not being able to wear the clothing that I wanted to wear. And I know that's a really common thing too, for people who are um, in larger bodies, but the added dimension of tallness, like really limited and continues to limit to this day, wow. the things that I can wear. Um, so I just remember there was a, there was a period of time we all have, you know, um, times when we are smaller and larger. Um, and one of the times when I was the smallest, I feel like I had this kind of buying spree moment where I fit into standard size clothing somewhat. And I was like, oh my gosh, let me get this. Let me get this. Let me get this. But then none of that, I mean, I was really excited to be able to fit into those clothes, but they still didn't fit my body because I'm so tall. So it was all too short and like really awkward. But I just remember having that moment of like, oh, I can, I can access this for the first time. Um, 
which is why I, I feel like it's so important that places like cake exist and that we have mm-hmm. so much more um, options and bo- body positivity in our world because those not having access to those things was really hard really hard for me and very hard mm-hmm. as part of like my angsty adolescent development um so yeah I think that's that's my story as a matter of fact thank you yeah and like very connected to I think stories we've heard from other people yeah. I mean, that first realization uh, it's usually an external factor in this case uh yeah that mile run scoliosis check all those such public situations I'm kind of interested because we're capping it. We're talking about fashion, right? I'm kind of interested in something that I have a little bit more knowledge of. Our listeners don't. I don't think Kat does because I met you a few years ago when you and your wife were kind of figuring out your next move after having lived and worked abroad. And so I'm curious. I think fashion might factor into this, but can you tell us more about what living overseas was like and um, – especially living in a larger body and how it feels to return home to Minnesota. Absolutely. Um, I will start by saying that experience abroad was amazing for so many reasons, but I also um, very much was aware of my size in that most of Europe is not meant for larger bodies. And also most of Europe is not meant for taller bodies either. Mm. Um, So I have, I, I really did, um, feel that that limitation again. I knew when I was packing for this trip. So my wife and I got this, you know, one, once in a lifetime opportunity to to move and adventure abroad. And I knew when I was packing packing for the trip that I wasn't going to have any options when I got there. That every single item of clothing that I brought was very intentional and that I I knew, you know, that I wasn't going to be able to access anything else. And I don't know if I've shared this with you Soraya, but one thing that happened um we were flying out of Canada um, randomly to get to Europe. And so we road tripped with some of our friends the night before. Of course, we were packing until the last minute. It was a mess. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. Um, but we were driving across the border and we ended up needing to repack our stuff for some reason. Like we got <laughs> we got out the door without everything in the right spot. It was overweight for our bags. You know, of course that happened to us. Mm-hmm. So we repacked our stuff at this hotel room near the border of Canada. And something happened where we were in that hotel room and I was like, I, where are my jeans? I don't have any jeans. What happened to my jeans? And we couldn't find them. So they either got donated or they, uh, you know, mysteriously disappeared. But I just remember searching, you know, under the bed and the covers, all the, you know, all the spots that it possibly could have been. And I ended up going to Europe and I didn't have any jeans. And (gasps) I went that entire time without any jeans because, I mean, I'm sure I could have shipped something very expensive uh, to arrive, but we didn't have a lot of money at that time either. So it was just one of those, just the feeling of like having no control over what I was going to wear for the next, you know, year of my life. Um, Krista, how long were you abroad and where in Europe were you? We were mostly in Spain. um, And then we ended up traveling to Istanbul, Turkey to teach at a university. Um, And then after that, we kind of traveled around a bit more and went back to Spain. So Spain was really our home base and where Mm -hmm. we had kind of developed a community of people that were fantastic. They only spoke Spanish, so I had to to learn quickly. Um, 
and didn't know a ton prior to going there, but we ended up staying around nine months in Europe in total. Cool. Uh, and it was, it was really awesome, but you know, I, I had, um, one pair of black pants, like nicer pants that I had carried with me. Um, and I remember the day that we were leaving from Spain, we were flying back to the U S that day, my pants ripped and it was oh. like, well, you're done. You've, <laughs> so, you've done all your wow. yeah. so it was just a very interesting experience with clothing for me. I definitely released a lot of clothing that I didn't need anymore and like wasn't serving me and wasn't serving what I what I wanted for my appearance or my body mm-hmm. but just having that scarcity of knowing well this is the one thing I've got with me and if I don't have this I don't have anything mm-hmm. this is just a weird time what like tips would you share with someone who's either like fat or tall or a combination of both as they travel abroad I guess like what were considerations that you just had to keep in mind as you were there are we talking clothing or we're talking like just generally? generally yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know if other people have, I'm sure other people have anxiety about different places that you go where you might not fit. You might not fit in the seat. You might not fit in mm-hmm. what the, those like ancient structures look like. Um, and so I would recommend if that is something that makes you anxious, looking into those things or, you know, checking TripAdvisor or whatever kind of websites to see what that looks like. I, as I mentioned, I'm also super tall. And I think this is not just a situation in Europe, but even in the US, when I'm going to a concert or a show, I know that my legs will not fit well in most most of the seating arrangements. So I spend a lot of time like looking, looking that kind of stuff up and trying to select a seat that I think I'm going to be most comfortable in and not feel anxious about. Um, so that's one thing I would recommend. I do also feel like in London, they had more options for larger bodied people. Um, and then when I was in Amsterdam, there was more options for tall people. However, it was, you know, skinny body, tall people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would just recommend, you know, if you have any anxieties about anything, like look, look stuff up in advance, but also know that, you should have the right to go anywhere you want to and feel comfortable experiencing, you know, history and experiencing different places. Um, and I, I felt like it, it's really important to not let those anxieties stop you from trying and stop you from doing the things that you want to do. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's perfect. Krista, you're running for Minneapolis Public School Board. We want to know all about it. But first, like, tell us what prompted you to take on this role. Thanks for asking that, Kat. I can't I can't believe I'm running for Minneapolis school board so it's, it's still <laughs> exciting every time I think about it and any t- every time anyone asks me um I certainly never ever 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 thought I was going to be running for a political office yeah um but I yeah it's it's just not uh not something that I thought I was going to enjoy and I will say I don't love the campaigning aspect of mm. running for office but I am so excited to do the work that is, I'm really, really passionate about helping the young people in our city and our communities um, to have a better opportunity for an excellent education. And right now in Minneapolis public schools, we have some of the worst racial disparities in the nation for mm-hmm. basically every academic measure you could come up with mm-hmm. and discipline disparities as well. Wow. And, you know, I have experience in the world of education um, and lots of experience in social work. And my experience here as a social worker in Hennepin County, I really saw firsthand how 
some of these disparities were playing out for my students and the times when our schools were such a fantastic resource for them when they were going through a traumatic experience, such a fantastic resource for the family as well. But then I also saw the times where my kids were being taken out of the classroom all the time and they would get Mm. sent home from school in the middle of the day and they never were sent with any homework. Um, just not giving not giving the the young people the tools they needed to be successful in education and it's really it really hurts me I mean I'm a very I'm a proud Minnesotan I love Minneapolis I love our city and we have we have a lot of work to do and I think our schools with our young people that's a place where we can really have a huge impact and positively change our community, our society, everything. I mean, our kids are going to save us, right? Yeah. So this, these like local level offices are so important because they are having, you know, they're the ones who are making these decisions that are impacting how our funding is spent, how we prioritize equity, um, how our LGBTQ plus youth experience school and society. We need people who look like them, who can advocate for them, who can stand up and start to break down some of these systems that are absolutely set up the way they were set up, you know, for some people to succeed and some people not to ex- yeah. not to succeed. Um, so that's that was really the urgency for me is understanding we can't continue like this. We can't fail our young people like we have been. And I, it's such a hard debate as well, because I do have so much respect for teachers. I do have so much respect for schools. And I know that they, their heart is to do this work. We need to be supporting them so they can do the work, so they can reach all the students, so that they can provide an excellent, an excellent education for all of our kids. And so they all have that future opportunity that education provides. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we couldn't agree more. It's just like very, um, I know Soraya is probably a little more familiar with like, because um, I know she's phone banked for you and is like familiar with um, like your responses to these kind of things. But this is like the first time that I've heard you really talk like, you know, about this in this way. And I'm just so excited for what you're doing. And I just, uh, I mean, you're right. Like school, it's it's the youth that are going to save us. And if we're not preparing them and if we're not preparing all students like equitably, then what are we doing? Absolutely. Not to mention this whole new set of challenges that are now presenting ourselves, you know, with the pandemic, with distance right. learning, with all of the barriers that already existed for so many students are now being exposed and exacerbated by the pandemic. And this is such a critical time such a critical time for our young people because I, I really worry that kids are going to get lost through this process mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that kids aren't going to be successful through this process. And this is the foundation of the rest of their lives. And we really, we, we owe it to them to do all that we can to ensure that they get through this time successfully and that they have the tools and skills they need to be the people who are going to save us, right? Who are going to come yeah. up with the cures for things, who are going to really advance our society and help break down these systems that are actively hurting them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I have an answer to this question, but I'd love to hear it from you. Like what differentiates you from other candidates running right now for school board? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that some of the things that differentiate me are really this kind of grounding in social work practice and understanding how systems work together and really having a full full picture of how when we make de- decisions 
it's not a vacuum. So when we turn turn one dial, one gear, it has an impact beyond what we see right in front of us in the school system. So I really, really believe in the power of involving and engaging people who are most impacted with the issues they're facing right now. We need to be activating them and encouraging them and collaborating them and sharing decision-making power with them. And I really think that we have to go outside of the box and how we engage those families as well. Um, just going back to my my work in social work, I saw also the number of barriers that our families had for accessing the school, for um, you know historical trauma that people are experiencing with schools. Mm. There are so many varied and complex reasons why sometimes parent engagement doesn't look the same as we think it should and as many people in power think it should. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I am willing to do the creative work to go get in the community, activate community leaders, and really make sure that we are allowing people who are traditionally kept out of the decision-making process. I They have to be there. They have to be part of this. Otherwise, the solutions we choose are not going to fix the problems. Right. So I do really think that that social work perspective um, of really working with some of our most vulnerable, least resource people in our communities right now is helping me to have the right lens for coming in to make decisions. I'm going to understand as best I can and through constant dialogue and feedback what those what the implications are of our de- decisions. Who is benefiting? Who is burdened? And how can we make sure that we're not burdening those who are already burdened so much in the process? I love that all. Oh, I just love it all. I just can't wait for you to be in this role and to do the work. And I just, it's, it's so clear that you're here for it. And I just so appreciate that we need more people, um, that are, that are doing the right thing in these positions of power. Especially at this time with the focus on Minneapolis, with everything that's going on, um, it's just really important. And I, I mean, you didn't know when you started your campaign, when you decided to oh, take yeah. on this role. Uh, but I just am so inspired that someone like you is on the ballot for November. I just think that's really exciting. Thank you, Soraya. It's been a roller coaster also. You know, just thanks for saying that. When I started running, there was no pandemic. We were not, we were yeah. not facing these same challenges. And I it really has made me feel that it's even more important that someone like me is running for this office because there are so many, so many barriers right now for our families and so many ways that because our system has been so disrupted right now, we actually have a really cool opportunity to learn new things, try things in a different way, um, and really support our families and our teachers and our schools to do things differently. And so you know, as difficult as the pandemic is, and there are so many things that are really hard right now, but I also see this as an opportunity to deliver our services a different way and really meet the needs of our people in a different way. And I'm hoping that because we've all been disrupted, it's we we now have the time and space to think differently. Mm-hmm. I love that, like looking for opportunities within the challenges that are presented by COVID. Not to say like, oh, it's just all like all about the silver linings or whatever. Like, not to um, be too sort of rose-colored glasses about it all. But it's like if we're in this situation now, and like, how can we use that to like, I don't know, power us through um, into being more innovative and making decisions that really are going to do right by everybody? Yeah. I, I think that that's there. There's just so much opportunity to, to 
be humble and and not think that you know all of the solutions. We certainly can use experience and data and analysis and all of these evidence-based processes to really guide our work, but we have to allow for that creativity of problem solving and that that activation of people who normally don't get to be part of that process. Yeah. So you're on the ballot in November and it's an important election year, but like from our experience, school board elections don't always get as much love as, you know, others. Um, and so we'd love to hear from you, like what advice you might have for our audience, folks that are both here in the Twin Cities and beyond, who might be unfamiliar with the importance of school board elections and like how they might consider getting involved. Absolutely. It is such an important year. I'll just say it again, even though I know all of your listeners are going to vote. Please, 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 please (laughs) vote. You can vote. I love to vote. Everybody loves voting. (laughs) So I'll just say that. (laughs) And beyond, you know, the really important race for our nation, um, it's local elections are where it's at. It's where so much is happening as far as decision making, as far as impact to you and your local communities. Um, Think about Think about these decisions, whether or not you have kids, voting for the school board is still really important. And I just want to encourage everybody, please get involved. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, Don't be nervous that you don't know much about school board. That's fine. Ask me, ask Soraya, ask Kat. (laughs) Um, I, I just really feel like this is an important time. And I think that the culture in our climate right now is that we for the most part, collectively are showing that we're willing to do some work. We're willing to do some growth and some some research. And I would just encourage you to bring that all of that action and activity to our elections and really look research. You know, go online. It's pretty it's pretty easy um, to access some of that information. And it, it's it's so important that we're electing anti-racist, body positive, LGBTQ plus advocates people who are ready to deconstruct these oppressive systems that we have and are also here to empower our communities and make sure that our community voices are represented in decision-making. And you have so much power when you vote. So I'll say it again, please vote. I appreciate all of you. And we're going to, we're going to have a good, good night, I think in November. That's my hope. I can't wait. Yes. Go vote for sure. For sure. You know, we talk about it periodically, but you can never overemphasize that. Um, you know, how how should people find you, Krista? Like, where should they look for your information when they want to go do their own research? Absolutely. I would say the best place is to go to my website, and it is kristamims.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-M as in Mary, I-M as in Mary, S.com. Um, I... This is a great segue for me to bring up that I'm actually worse at social media than Soraya. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Please don't judge me, but also I would love it if you like my Facebook, Krista for Minneapolis School Board. You'd go on my Instagram, Krista for Schools. I've got a Twitter too. It's Krista underscore Mims. Um, I, yeah, I, and if you are really great at social media and feel like you want to donate time to a campaign, please feel free to contact me uh, because that is not one of my strengths. <laughs> You're busy working on so many other things and like, listen, I would love to chip in, but we know my, my, uh, <laughs> you know, Google doc into a Instagram stories situation. So um, I don't think you could be worse for me, worse than me, but I, I love it. I, I think you've got some really great um, people mentioning why they support you. I've noticed on your social 
Uh, it's been so fun to witness your campaign and see the momentum going forward. And I, just having this opportunity to have more insight into local elections has been amazing for me. So truly, yeah, if anybody has questions, you know, please reach out to Krista. Please let me know. Um, cat too, but we can always connect you with people if we don't have the answers. But thank you so much, Krista. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or share with our audience before we say goodbye today? I just really want to thank you for welcoming into welcoming me into this community, this beautiful community that is matter of fact. Um, it has been such an honor. Just being asked, being considered to be on the podcast was was everything and I really appreciate the community that you've built and the fat liberation body positivity all of those things that you are really putting power to giving place to giving giving voice to those our community my community our community um so I really appreciate that and I'm so glad that I've been able to meet both of you and through various different uh circumstances including new leaders council i'll shout that yeah. out too yes we shout out um, all the time on the pod <laughs> <laughs> yes 2020 yes um so it's just been such an honor and i really appreciate it appreciate being here and i would love to connect with any of your followers uh in further dialogue especially around our schools but really anything um building this community is so awesome and i appreciate you both so thank you well, the feeling is so mutual. We appreciate you so, so much. Um, and we're just so happy that you were able to take the time to be a guest on our podcast. Krista, thanks for telling us your story as a, a matter, matter of fact. so wonderful. You know, I loved learning about her time abroad and hearing more about the local elections. I'm so pleased that we could share a conversation with you. If you take nothing else away from this, get to know the people you're voting for. And I, I mean, I guess more importantly, vote. Absolutely. Please vote. Please talk to people in your life about voting. It's not the only thing you can do, but it is a very, very important thing. Another differently important thing is the Dirt and Discourse. It's time for the Dirt and Discourse. This is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. Let's talk about what happens when our fat icons are no longer fat. For many folks, and especially fat people, we don't even need to name a specific celebrity or cultural figure for one to come into your mind's eye. Yeah, I feel like every fat person has at least like one person come to mind right away. I love this topic because it is pure Dirt and Discourse. Dirt as in gossip or cultural fodder, and discourse as in a situation full of nuance and almost certainly more complex than we may see at face value. Yeah, I mean, celebrities in the cultural narrative about their body transformations are like the epitome of what we laud as a society and what we police. Yeah, and regardless of how the individual publicizes or like talks about their body changes or doesn't, it feels like there's always a flood of comments applauding them for quote unquote taking care of themselves or quote unquote being an inspiration. And in fat spaces, there's sometimes some sadness or hurt, especially if the person is being vocal about intentional weight loss pursuits. But you know, it's just like it's not that simple. 
never is. It's not that simple for so many reasons. Let us count the ways. First, what does it mean to us as fat people to see a fat icon remove that hyper-visible part of themselves? Mm -hmm. Uh, It means that we see ourselves even less represented than we did before. It means that the reality of body size representation in the general public versus those with a high cultural capital is even more skewed. Yes, that. And there's also this weird, like, almost grieving process we go through. You know, the person is still alive, still creating content and like in their cultural conversation, but it just feels different. Like I had this perceived or real connection with them based on a shared identity and assumed shared human experience. And now I don't. Yeah, that experience either shaped their perspective or I could assume how they wrote, saying, acted or engaged with the world somehow like matched mine. And, mm-hmm. and also there's just so few fat icons out there. Okay, that part too. I just want representation. I want to see fat people everywhere. But there are just so few in mainstream media and in prominent positions of power and influence. It's like it's like you can have a little body diversity representation as a treat, but only <laughs> that much. Oh my gosh. And it's so... <laughs> It's so disappointing, but not as disappointing as how we, the public, talk about this person's body. I mean, consider how the media has shaped this conversation. We've talked about it before. You go to the grocery store to get the food you need to survive or even enjoy, and you walk through a gauntlet of magazines talking about how fat a celebrity has gotten, or you won't believe whose beach body this is, or the diets people have used to stay thin. And it's Mm. such a scam because they're selling magazines just as much as the gum and candy and hand sanitizer stack next to it. It's, it's not like it's a PSA or educational information for the good of society. Right. And then we see like the inverse of this conversation when a fat icon loses considerable weight. Like not only are tabloids and magazines glomming on this, but regular folks on Twitter and Facebook and in comment sections, they're like sharing how motivational they see that this person is now that they're quote unquote healthy. Oh, and we know that this has nothing to do with health. We truly, nothing. We truly don't know why someone has lost so much weight unless they disclose the reasons and motivation for it. It is just wild that there is so much said about someone's body without them being part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's gross. And I guess, you know, body talk is super prevalent in lots of ways in our culture. But wow, to see literal articles written about someone's weight loss transformation when they've said nothing. Also, you know, that like assumption that weight loss is always a good thing or even an intentional thing. And I don't know. It's like truly none of our business. That's the big discourse about it, right? If, if the dirt is the gossip, then the discourse is that we don't need to partake in the gossip. Mm. Like, even though it is sad for me to see a person I look up to and appreciate for existing the way I do change, So what? I think one of our core beliefs that matter of fact comes down to body autonomy. Truly. And, you know, a matter of fact, we hope to center the most marginalized among us. So often in our conversations about body autonomy, we're talking about those in the biggest bodies um, being able to go through the world and not be shamed or police or experience the vitriol and microaggressions that our society like routinely engages in. But also, this means the inverse has to be true for non-fat folks, that they also should be able to go through the world without policing and pressure and commentary about their bodies as well. Yeah. Also, if we're being honest with ourselves, how can we fault anyone for trying to make their life a little easier in a fatphobic world? I also can't even imagine how much more pressure there is and like kind of like the levels of fatphobia experienced in the world of celebrity. 
So I guess it just all sucks. Yep. (laughs) As much as I say it's none of our business, we do have opinions and attachments. That's the reality. Of course we do. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just really feel the loss when fat celebrities and folks of influence are no longer fat because there are just so few of them. We can live in a space where we give them total body autonomy and also recognize that their body and thus identity changing makes a big impact on opportunities for us to see ourselves represented. there you have it another episode of matter of fat okay how long is this one we don't know yet but for sure longer than 40 minutes (laughs) Soraya do you think you can edit this one to be like a perfect beautiful even round number two Oh my god, I'll do my best and just like don't blame me for the dead air at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, a few reminders on our way out. Our next podluck is Thursday, October 29th from 6 to 7.30 Central Time. For more info uh, and to RCP, go to our website, www.matteroffatpod.com. Click events in the menu. And as always, like everyone's welcome to attend the podluck, whether you're fat or not. And also like whether you've listened to some or all or even none of the episode we're discussing. Kat, like we keep giving them the deets, but like the people should know that the podlucks are fun and interesting and like we're very fun and interesting. It's fun. It's interesting. I stand by my statement. (laughs) Fun and interesting and submissions. <laughs> you didn't expect that. Okay, we want to hear from y'all. We're working on some mini sods about fat dating and fat microaggressions, and we want stories or questions from you. There is a form on our website where you can write about your experiences with fat dating. It's like the good and the not so good. Or share about experiencing the unkind words, assumptions, or subtle indecencies of fat microaggressions. We would love to hear both stories or would also be open to sharing advice on these topics. You'll also find show notes, transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, access to older episodes, and more on the website. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you catch Matter of Fat. We love to shout out our Apple reviews on our Instagram story. Wink, wink. And as always, we love sharing a tag of you enjoying or relating to the podcast. So tag away, bebe. Okay. You've really been rewatching. <laughs> um, until next time when we're back with another episode of Matter of That. too much like a, like no. a commercial okay it's true don't take my word for it just vote for krista don't take my okay. word for it just get her in just get her in. i like her now <laughs>